your Bible, and uh, the guys are passing out the handouts. I don't know if I printed 64. If there's not enough, please, uh, please share. If you need a Bible, we have extra in the back. So make sure you have those. Get your Bible, a handout, and something to write with. As we wait, as they pass the hand, handouts, um, make sure you guys uh, encourage and congratulate uh, Julie and Garrison. They had their wedding yesterday, really sweet. Um, I'm thankful that the young people who were there till midnight or 11, you know, dancing, are here this morning, so that's, that's exciting. If you start falling asleep, I, I understand, okay? I'm not going to call on you. I understand. Um, yeah, young people who were up late Saturday serving and they fall asleep in service, that, that's, that's fine. And moms with babies, they fall asleep, that's fine too. Other than that, there's no exceptions. Okay, well, last Sunday we started Philippians chapter 4. Okay, we've covered Genesis 3 uh, with Eve, we went to Psalm 73 with Asaph, and then I told you guys that we would end this series of covetousness and contentment, learning from Paul from uh, his letter to the Philippians in chapter 4. So, we learned last week that this letter, okay, that, or book, you know, in, in your Bible, uh, titled Philippians, uh, is really a uh, is really was, was really Paul writing a thank you note to the to the Philippians, right? I told you guys that that he was writing a thank you note to the Philippians for their gift, and then through that, okay, so it's a th- thank you note for the gift. But through that, he's teaching them and teaching us today um, about contentment, how to have a content heart, how to learn contentment in a covetous world. So before we look at Philippians chapter 4 and read it, uh, let's do a, a review. Okay, I think I left, I left the fill in the blanks uh, on your handout. How would you define contentment? You, kn- you know covetousness already. I'm not going to ask you that. You know, that's like four, four Sundays of memorizing. Um, how about contentment? How would you define contentment? What are some key parts that need to be in your definition? Okay, you use the handout as your guide, and then hopefully you can fill in the blanks on your own. Who wants to try it? Katie? Yeah, yeah. So, so contentment, just think of God's plan, okay? This is all about God's plan, not for, not for Elias, not for Katie, but for me, okay, for my life. Okay, that, that's where you need to start. Okay, I need, I, need to, I need to remind myself that the Bible says that His plan for my life is always wise and always perfect. Okay, and because of that, I can, I can joyfully delight in that, and I humbly submit to that. Does that make sense? Because of God's wise and perfect plan for my life. His personal relationship with me that involves His wise and perfect plan for my life, 
I can, I can have that mindset, that thinking, that mentality uh, to, to joyfully delight in that and humbly submit to that. So, so that includes all the bad stuff, right? That includes all the good stuff, right? It includes all the easy stuff and also all the difficulties, right? In all circumstances, because all of those things are under God's wise and perfect plan for my life, okay? So look at Philippians chapter 4. Let's read our section again, verse 10 through verse 19. Again, this is Paul's thank you note to the Philippians for their gift. And through that, he's teaching us how to be content. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to, be, how to, how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves know, also Philippians, that at the first, uh, the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek, the, I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So, remember, we're talking about contentment. Okay, we're talking about learning contentment. We're talking about how you can be uh, delightful and submissive to God's wise and perfect plan for your life. How do you learn that kind of mindset okay, from, from Paul? And, and last Sunday, we covered the, the two of the four disciplines how to become that. Okay, you guys remember, we talked about uh, rejoicing in God's perfect plan, like Paul did. And we talked about embracing life circumstances. You know, he said, when I was hungry, when I was full, when I was poor, when I was rich, when it was easy, when it was difficult, I've learned to be content. I was content in all those circumstances, he said. Well, that, that, that's what we talked about last Sunday, rejoicing in God's perfect plan and embracing life circumstances. Now, if you weren't here, again, the background here is really important because you know, it, kind of, it gives you uh, the context of why Paul is saying what he's telling the Philippians. Remember, Paul was a pastor, okay? A special pastor. He was a missionary, okay? He, he would go to different places, preaching the gospel, right? The good news uh, to, to all the sinners who, who would be there. And then at the end, he would, he would do what? He'd just leave them, Right? That's what he did, right? He would, he would get, get in, in a place, he would preach the gospel, and after that he'd just leave them. Right? Who here wants to 
accept the, uh, Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, raise your hand with your eyes closed. You know, no one's looking. Everybody's like, all right, that's 64. See ya. And then he goes to the next town. Is that what he did as a missionary? Is that what missionaries do? What did he did? Oh, what did he do? Yes, he lies. He planted, he planted churches, right? Because Christians need to belong to what? Churches, right? There's no such thing as a Christian who is not in the church, right? I was talking to someone, I think, I don't remember, at a store or somewhere. He said, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian too. I'm a Christian also, just like you. Um, I said, oh, yeah, where do you go to church? Oh, I'm part of the, the, the universal church. I'm like, oh, where is that? I'm like, oh, you know, it's everywhere. It's like the universal church. What he means is that he, he does church on his own at home. He doesn't go to a local church like NCC and like other churches. And I told him, bro, you, you know, to be, you know, to, to, to prove that you're a part of the universal church is to be a part of a local church. That's how you know that a Christian is part of the universal church is, is seen in his involvement in a local visible church. So that was Paul's, um, you know, plan all the time. He would preach the gospel. You know, the Lord would use the gospel to save sinners. And then he would plan a church before he would leave so that those Christians would have a place to go to. Now, wh- was it always easy for him? Was it easy? Like he would just, you know, fly first class, you know, go to Egypt, right? And then people would pick him up in their Uber, you know, and then he would preach the gospel. All 64 people would raise their hand, you know, accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, okay, we're going to plant a church. And then everybody brings their $2,000 the next week. And then there's a church and then he leaves. You know, it's really easy. And then he goes to the next thing and does it again. Was it like that? No, it's very, very, very hard for, for Paul. Um, you can read this in, in the book of Acts. He, um, you know, people hated him, right? People hated him. People tortured him, beat him, you know, put him in jail, all those things. But the lesson at the end of the day was that he was content, right? He was content. He always had that mindset that joyfully delighted and humbly submitted to God's plan. And even with those difficulties, he said, it's still wise, it's still perfect. That, That was his mindset. So now, now the question is, how is he able to do that? You know, I wish I could do that, right? I wish I could do that. How, how is Paul able to do that? You know, that, that when it's easy and when it's hard, when he was hungry, when he was full, when he was rich, when he was poor, he just, ha- he just had that mindset. How, how, how can someone do that? How can a Christian do that? Well, well the answer is, uh, is in our third key discipline okay number three the third key discipline in learning christian contentment very important number three what do you guys think out of the fill in the blanks well i i can't do it i'm gonna have to yes say say it again trust in god's strength i would say depend okay because you, you're either depending on yourself, you know, I just got to be content today. You know, I just got to be content today. Just, you know, I'm not going to look at, 
my social media today because I just need to do it. You know, I need to be like Paul. I need to have that mindset. I'm not going to ask my friend about that new purse or that new video game. I just need to be content. I just need to do it. Right? Well, that's self-dependence. You know, that, that lasts like three minutes. <laughs> okay? So, number three is depend in, not yours, but Christ's strength. Okay, verse 13, look at it. You can probably memorize this, okay? You can close your Bible, and I can ask you, what's Philippians 4.13? You will say what? I can do all things through Christ, or in Christ is better translation, in Christ who strengthens me. Okay, I can do all things in Him, that's Jesus Christ, who strengthens me. Uh, literally, it says, you know, in all things. That's, that's actually in the very front. You know, Paul's making, making a point. In, in all things, okay, in all things, I can be literally strong in Him who strengthens me. He's talking about, obviously, Jesus Christ. In all things, I can be strong in Him who strengthens me. Now, uh, when I was sitting back there singing, you know, I was doing some math, you know, because of this illustration, I didn't know how, to me, it's not that old, but I was thinking, man, this must be really old for them. Um, who, uh, who, who have heard of Tim Tebow? Okay. <laughs> man, yeah, that's not a lot. <laughs> I'm like, I can use, man, finally, I can use something that I can look back to and they can connect. Tim Tebow. I mean, who does not know Tim Tebow, right? Um, but yeah, not a lot of people know Tim Tebow. I mean, he's still around. He's still an athlete, you know. But yeah, he's, he was an okay athlete. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was a huge fan of, of Tim Tebow when, you know, I graduated high school in 2005, um, and he played, um, he played football for the school that I got into, but I was too prideful to, you know, and do the work, University of Florida, right, Florida, Florida Gators. So he played for the Florida Gators around 2006, 2007. Now, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of because of a few reasons. Let me just share a couple of reasons. Number one, he was born in the Philippines. I know he doesn't look like me. Uh, but he was born in the Philippines to missionary parents. Okay? So I'm like, man, yeah, we have something in common. You know, uh, gifting in athleticism, biceps, yeah, yeah, you know, it's different. But, man, we were born in the same country, right? So, he, secondly, he played football for, like I said, the University of Florida. And thirdly, third reason why I was a big fan of Tim Tebow, he was the first. And now those, those who did not raise their hands, now, now you're a fan of Tim Tebow because listen to this. He was the first homeschooled athlete and college sophomore to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. So, you know, they say, oh, you know, homeschool kids, you know, there's no hope. You know, they're not, they're, they're going to be social, they're going to be socially awkward. They're not, forget scholarships. Well, Tim Tebow, <laughs> Tim Tebow, right? He was the first homeschooled athlete and college sophomore to win the Heisman Trophy. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Now, you know, that was around 2006, 2007. I, I, I really liked Tim Tebow um, because of all those things. And fast forward, in 2010, right after Leslie and I got married, we went to Denver, Colorado, and we got to see him play. Well, sit. <laughs> we got to see him sit on the sideline. <laughs> Again, he's, he's okay. <laughs> Once he hit the pros, he, he's all right. Um, 
So that was just, you know, a highlight of our honeymoon in Denver, Colorado. Um, but one thing, one thing that I will always remember about Tim Tebow is that he always had something on his eye black, on, on, you know, under his eyes, you know, like how athletes would put the black thing for the sun and, and they would write something. What, what did he write on, on that? Yes. Isaiah. Before that, though, for like many years, I think he switched to John 3.16 at the end. Um, Genesis 1.1. It was, no. <laughs> Jesus wept. No, not that one. Philippians 4.13, right? It'd be like P-H-I-L dot 3.413 on the other side. So I'm like, man, awesome. You know, they'll always zoom in, you know, all these media people. Uh, uh, to his face, you know, he, he would have that all the time, Philippians 4.13, written under. And um, after, you know, and I looked this up, I looked this up, and he actually, later on, he actually understood what the verse meant. You know, people accuse him today, oh, I just didn't even know what the context of Philippians 4.13 was, you know. Well, actually, he does. You know, I was, I was, I was watching a, an interview of Kurt Warner, another Christian, and Tim Tebow, and they were talking about verse, uh, favorite passages um, they, they each had, and they were talking about Philippians 4.13, and Tim Tebow said, yeah, a lot of people actually don't know the context of 4.13, and then he was explaining. I'm like, yeah, he knows. But his coach didn't, Urban Meyer. You know, after a big win, a college uh, championship game, his coach, Urban Meyer, was being interviewed, and he said on TV, yeah, man, Philippians 4.13 was, was the reason why we got here. You know, we just put our mind on the, on the trophy. We put our mind on the, the, the last game, the championship game, and, and we, we, we just kept saying, we, we can do this. Whatever we put our mind on, we can do it. Philippians 4.13, and then, you know, Lord's Providence, they got the championship game. Uh, they got the trophy, and then he was, Urban Meyer was being interviewed. He said, yep, Philippians 4.13 is what got us here. You know, I don't know if he did that, but that's what, you know, a college ball, ball player would have done. Um, that's, what, that's what Urban Meyer was saying. Now, do you guys think that that's what Paul meant when he wrote this thank you note to the Philippians? No, right? Does this mean that we can do all things, anything that we put our mind in, like winning a championship game or, or I don't know, whatever you guys have been dreaming of doing? Is that, is that what, what this means? What does this mean then? It says I can do all things in Christ who gives me the strength. If I depend on Christ's strength, I can do anything. I can be a millionaire without going to college. I can be married in three years. I can have kids in two months. You know, like, what, what does this mean? Uh, if you're already pregnant. Uh, yes, Rachel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, through through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Being content in every and any situation. Okay. The answer is not yeah, you know, I, if I put my mind on something, whatever that thing is, I just need to depend in, uh, on Christ, and I can do it. It will happen. 
right? It will happen. I can beat cancer. You know, people say that, you know, because of Philippians 4.13. Well, we don't know, right? We don't know. Um, the answer is no. The all things here is referring back to what Paul mentioned in what verses? What verses? Yeah, 11 and 12. Okay, look at, your, look at your Bible. Look at verse 11 and verse 12, right? Paul said, Philippians, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content. Okay, that mindset. In whatever, you can kind of say in all, circumstances I, I am. Really, Paul? Give, give us some, some examples. Okay, I'll give you some examples. Okay, I'll give you the good and the bad. Verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means. You know, like you're poor. And I also know how to live in prosperity. Needs are met. My wants are, are given. I'm content. In any and every circumstance, you can say all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being filled. You know, when I have, when I have food and going hungry, when I don't have food, I'm starving. Both of having abundance, you know, I have everything I want, and suffering need. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have anything I need. So verse 13 Makes sense now when he says, I can do all of those things. I can have the mindset, okay? As a pastor, as a missionary, for the past 30 plus years, when people beat me, when people persecute me, when people put me in jail because I keep giving the gospel, the Lord keep using the gospel to save sinners, and I would plant a church, I'd spend some time in jail, I'd get out, I'd plant some more churches, I'd go back in jail, right? He says, in all of those things... Because Jesus Christ is strengthening me, giving me the strength, the supernatural spiritual power, I can be what? Content. I can be content. So if Urban Meyer says, yeah, we, uh, we really put our mind on the championship game, but, you know, uh, Alabama, man, roll tide rolled, and it, they just crushed us, but hey, we're content. You know, we're, we are content. We can, we can rejoice that we did, not, we did not win the championship game. We'll, we'll just do it again next year if the Lord gives us another opportunity. That's contentment. That's Philippians 4.13. If somebody who has cancer says, yeah, you know what? You know, I used to say, you know, I, I'm going to beat this cancer. You know what? That's not really what God wants me to do. It's not beat the cancer. The goal is to be content while I have the cancer, and the Lord is hopefully going to, to help me through this. And I pray that he would heal me. That's Philippians 4.13. Right? The goal is not championship. The goal is not beating the cancer. The goal is being content in every and any circumstance that, the, that God put you in. Because all of that, you know, the good and the bad, the easy and the difficult, all those things are all under his what? Wise and perfect plan. That's what Paul's talking about here. Now, you may, you may be asking, okay, how do I do that? Like, okay, Jesus, zap me with your strength, <laughs> right? Zzz. Okay, I can do all things. I can be content right now because Jesus zapped me with his strength. Is that how, the, how, how it happens? No. Um, here's how it happens, okay? The question is, how do you get strength from Jesus Christ? Um, this acronym is, is very helpful. I found this very helpful. I read this from John Piper. You, you, if you don't know Tim Tebow, you probably don't know John Piper, old pastor, he's retired now, a Christian author, uh, one of my, my old-time favorites. But he wrote this, and it's, it's been really helpful for me when it comes to um, 
you know, how do I receive the strength from Jesus Christ? He's not here physically, right? He's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not like a physical thing that I need to get from him. It's not like a lightning that he needs to zap me with. You know, what, how do I get this strength so that I can be content in all circumstances? This is how you do it, okay? John Piper came up with this acronym. It's APTAT, okay? Easy to, easy to remember, A-P-T-A-T, okay? The first one is admit, okay? Admit. What do you mean admit? Well, the first thing you need to do since, since this point, okay, number three, depend, okay? We are to depend in Christ's strength. So you need to admit that you, that you what? That you cannot do it. Okay, that if you try to do it on your own, it lasts three minutes, right? But, and then you get tempted to be envious and covetous and jealous and discontent. So you need to admit that you can't do anything apart from Jesus Christ. It's, it means admitting that you can't produce contentment in your heart in difficult circumstances on your own. That's what you're admitting. I cannot produce contentment in my heart in difficult circumstances on my own. You need to admit that. If you don't, admi if you don't admit that, then you're not going to depend in Christ. You're, not, you're just going to depend in yourself, and then your contentment is short-lived. Number two, P, pray. You pray. So you admit it. If you admit it, you have nowhere else to go other than to God. <laughs> Right? If you admit that, okay, I can't do anything apart from Jesus Christ. I can't come up with contentment on my own. I, I'm left with one choice, one option only, and that is to pray to God and seek help. Number three, trust. Okay, aptat, A-P-T, trust. So you pray. What do you, what do, you do next? Uh, you trust. Okay, I've, I've prayed to the Lord. This is a really difficult circumstance. You know, tomorrow they're supposed to let me know if I pass this exam or this scholarship application, um, whatever it may be, right? Um, this x-ray that they did, you know, they're going to let me know about this. You know, I'm, 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 I'm not so content, right? So I need to admit, I need to pray, and then after I pray, I just trust the Lord. This is part of His wise and perfect plan, so I can trust in Him. The, the opposite of trusting in God is, is listening to temptations, right? Temptations like, what if? What if I don't pass that exam? <laughs> what if that x-ray shows something else? Right? What if the scholarship uh, doesn't get accepted? Right? Those are the temptations. In, instead of trusting, we, we end up listening to temptations we, we uh, instead of trusting, we also can start following our hearts. Oh, I just follow my heart, you know, whatever I feel like. That's wrong. That's not trusting. And then instead of trusting, we're also, we're also prone to complaining and grumbling. Right? Complaining, complaining. Why is the Disney World trip got, is getting canceled again? Right? Complaining and grumbling and complaining and grumbling. That's not trusting. Okay, so you need to tell your heart, you need to tell your mind, okay, I need to trust. I, I've already admitted I can't do anything, all right? And I only have one option, God, so I need, I've prayed to him. What do I do next? Well, I just need to trust God of what's going to happen. I can't be complaining and grumbling. I can't, I can't be 
I can't be following my heart and I, I can't be listening to the temptations that are on my mind. Number four, okay, so aptat, A-P-T-A, do you just let go and let God? They probably don't know that. That's from our time too. <laughs> but it's still true today. Uh, do you just, okay, I, I already admitted, I prayed, I trusted, so I just let go and let God. I just sit back, you know. I just sit back, just wait, waiting on God. What do you do? Start with the letter A. You, yes, Brooke, you act. Close, yeah, you act. You act. You know, Paul, Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 2, right? In your sanctification, Jesus Christ don't zap you and do it for you, right? You do it. Okay, Jesus is not going to give you uh, this supernatural power and just kind of start moving your body uh, like a robot so that you would obey him in the difficult circumstance that you're in. You know, you, you, that, that is your responsibility, right? That is your responsibility. Paul says, like I said in Philippians chapter 2, work out, act out your salvation, right, with fear and trembling. It's your responsibility. When there's a temptation to be discontent, it is your responsibility to not be discontent in that moment. If there's something that's tempting you to be jealous and envious, it is your responsibility to act on it and get yourself out of that situation. Right? So, yes, you admit, yes, you pray, yes, you trust, but, but you have a responsibility here. You need to act. And then number five, what, what do you think is the last one? At the end of the day, you did all those four things, and the Lord gave you the strength to be content, to have that mindset that joyfully delights and humbly submits to His perfect and wise plan, even though it was a difficult day. What would you do? Yes, thank. Yeah, T-H-A-N-K. You thank the Lord. Because again, was it all you? No. Did you depend on your strength? No, you depended in Jesus Christ's strength, so, so you thank him. So I, ho- I hope that's helpful. Aptat, okay? All right, number, number four, the last one, the last key discipline in learning Christian contentment. Focus on others' well-being. Focus on others' well-being. That is going to help you to be content. Okay, focus on others' well-being. Who do you think is going to be more prone to be discontent? The person who's busy thinking about himself, you know, what I'm going to buy today, what I'm going to eat today, what I'm going to play with later, the, the, what I'm going to binge watch tonight, you know, the vacation that's coming up, you know, thinking about himself. That person or the, or the person who thinks more about other people? What do you think is going to be more prone to be discontent? What do you guys think? Yes, Rachel. The selfish person. Because, you know, he's putting his mind on all of those things, all the what-ifs and all the desires and all the likes and all the wants and all the needs. And then, and then the Lord says, hey, that is not included in my wise and perfect plan, buddy. So those things don't happen. And that guy is going to start grumbling and complaining, following his heart, 
right? Listening to temptations, and then next thing you know, he's discontent, right? Guess what's part, what's always a part of God's wise and perfect plan? The well-being of other people. For you to be selfless, for you to be sacrificial, that's always a part of how God grows you if you're a Christian. So you focus on that, you're going to be content. And I think that's what Paul is going to describe here in these last verses. And, you know, this is more, this is more uh, for the Philippians. You know, the Philippians focused on Paul's well, well-being. And Paul's going to say, yeah, you're just like me. You're content. Because he commends them. Look at verse 14. Okay? He's, he tells the Philippians, hey, guys, nevertheless, okay, you have done literally beautifully, okay, is the word there. You have done beautifully. You've done really well, like good job to share with me in my affliction, Paul says. He's commending them. He's, he's, he's saying to them, hey, guys, because of Jesus Christ, I can be content in all circumstances because of the strength the, that he provides. But nevertheless, or however, you have done very well, very beautifully in showing your love and your care for me by focusing on my well-being, by, by meeting my needs, by, by making sure that as a pastor and a missionary, my needs are met. Great job, beautiful job, well done, he says. Now, how did the Philippians do that? Look at verse 15. Paul says, you yourselves also know, he's reminding them. Okay, let me just remind you why I think this way about you. He says, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, okay, this is talking about when, when he first got to their city, Philippi, right? When he first preached the gospel to them. And then he says, after I left Macedonia, Macedonia is the region where the city Philippi was. It'd be like, It'd be like, you know, Peoria in uh, Maricopa County, right? He did go to both, right? One is the region, one is the city. So he says, hey, when I, got, when I got to your city and I preached the gospel to you guys, and then when I left your region, Macedonia, no church shared with me, remember he was a missionary, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone, he said. You guys since the beginning, have been focusing on my well-being, he said. And by the way, the Philippian church was, was a really very poor church. Poor church. Yet, yet they were content because that was God's wise and perfect plan for their church. And instead of, you know, instead of complaining and grumbling and, and just thinking about themselves, they said, Okay, we need to think about other people. We need to think about our pastor, missionary, Mr. Paul, his well-being. We need to support him. And that's what they did. Look at verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, so he leaves Macedonia, he leaves Philippi. He, you know, he, that, that's what he did, right? He'd go to different cities to preach the gospel and plant churches. So even when he went to another city named Thessalonica, even when he was there, the Philippians sent a gift more than once for my needs, he said. Verse 17, he says, Not that I seek the gift gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. That's interesting. uh, The Philippians' support uh, brought Paul so much joy 
okay, their gift to him, not just one time, but multiple times. It brought so much, Paul, uh, so much joy to Paul, not because he loved seeing his bank account, you know, increase. Oh, they gave again. Nice, you know, $2,000 over six, seven weeks. Awesome. You know, he was rejoicing not because of the money. He was rejoicing, not, not because the money was increasing. He was rejoicing because he loved seeing the Philippians, the Christians in that church, increase in their spiritual growth because God is using their generosity and, sac- and, and selflessness to grow them. That's what verse 17 is talking about. He said, yes, you guys are focusing my well-being. Thank you for that. As a pastor, as a missionary, I need that. And I'm thankful for that. But you know what's even more exciting? Is as you do that, as you act, right? As you act on your responsibility, I know that the Lord is growing you spiritually. He's making you more mature. And to me, as a pastor and a missionary, that, that, that just makes me so much joyful. That makes me happy. For Christians to grow spiritually because they're acting on what God wants them to do, regardless of their difficult circumstance, Paul says, that's it. You know, and that's, what, that's, 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 that's how I feel. That's how your leaders feel, right? When you guys are growing because you're acting on your God-given responsibilities as children in the home, as, you know, workers in, in the workplace, as young students in, in your school, and you're being like Jesus Christ, and you're content in difficult circumstances, and the Lord takes that, and He grows you spiritually, and He makes you more mature, and then our le- you know, your leaders have, have uh, their meetings, and we say, man, yeah, that, that guy, he's only 14, but he's wise beyond his years. What's happening there? Well, we're rejoicing that you guys are increasing in your spiritual growth. Paul says, that's all I care about. Thank you for the money, but, <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's something here that, that I'm even more thankful for. Look at verse 18. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied. How did he get there? You know, he said, you know, everything in full. Have an abundance, amply supplied. This is like to the max, like, like overflowing is, is the picture here. How did he get there? Having received from Epaphroditus, remember Epaphroditus was from the, the Philippian church, right? They sent him to check on Paul, you know, because he was in jail, and then they, they, they gave the gift uh, through Epaphroditus. So that having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. And look at how Paul describes, um, not, I, I don't think it's really about the gift, the financial gift, if this was a financial gift, but their heart that's behind it. Okay, remember, they were a poor church, but they've been supportive of Paul for a very long time. Look at how he described their heart behind their gift. A fragrant aroma, that means smells good to God. An acceptable sacrifice, that means it was selfless, uh, selfless and sacrificial, meaning it cost them. And then he says, well-pleasing or glorifying to God. That's why earlier he said, you have done well. Not because you helped me, but because God was well-pleased. God was well-pleased. Verse 19, 
He, he encourages them. And my God will supply all your needs. I know you're poor. <laughs> you know, but I know that you are content because in your poverty, you're focusing on others, other people's well-being, like me. And my God, he said, and see how personal he is getting here. My God, Paul says, will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. How can he say that? Well, it's because he's experienced that. Now, here's the question. How can you, as a young student today, focus on other people's well-being? Okay, so I just simplify it here. I'm, I'm going to give you two. Okay, just think about it. Okay, okay, I'm not Paul. I'm not the Philippians. You know, how can I focus on other uh, people's well-being? If that's going to help me to learn how to be content, it's, if that's going to take my mind off of myself, you know, because I'm so, I'm so um, quick to just think about myself, I, you know, I idolize myself, I love myself. If, if that is the opposite of contentment, if that actually produces discontentment, how, how can I focus on other people's well-being? Well, two simple ways. Okay, number one, you focus on others' spiritual well-being. And I'll explain this in, in a little bit. Okay, focus on the spiritual well-being of other people. Okay, your friends, okay, the students in here, your siblings, Okay, that will help you to be content because that will help you not to think about yourself as much. Focus on others' spiritual well-being. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and then we have one more passage after this one, and then we'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So Paul is, this, uh, is also the author of this letter to the Corinthians, to the Christians in Corinth. And the Corinthians weren't nice people like the Philippians. Okay? They weren't nice to Paul. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, let's see. It's a... I'd like to read the whole thing, but just look at... 13, actually 23, save some time, 23, you guys there, 2 Corinthians 23, so, you know, these, these people didn't like Paul, you know, they're saying, hey, we have a new, you know, we're, we're, we're a big fan of this, this other pastor now, sorry, Paul, and those, those other pastors are actually bad pastors, they're, they're false teachers, so he's going to defend his ministry to them, verse 23, are they servants of Christ? You know, those people, false teachers? I speak as if insane, <laughs> right? I, I more so, he says. They're not servants of Christ. I am. When it comes to labors, you know, laboring for other people, focusing on the well-being of other people, in far more, he says, I've labored. In far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods and I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Night and day I have spent in the deep. You know, just kind of floating around out there. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, his own people, dangers from the Gentiles, other people, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren, 
you know, pretenders, you know, the, uh, the, the fake Christians. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. What do you guys think so far? <laughs> right? That's like the $5.7 million. We're like, man, I've felt $2,000. It doesn't even come close to what Paul went through. Not just one time, but for decades and decades, for many, 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 many years. If, if you experienced that, though, what would you do next? You would be thinking about who? About who? I know who I would be thinking about. Who would you guys be thinking about after going through that? Yourself. I'd be like, man, it's time for a vacation. You know, like Canada, you know, the paternity leave in Canada is nine months. That's what I need, you know. Nine months of vacation. I'm tired of this. Laboring and, and doing all of these things for Christians and the, they, they respond this way. That's what I would be thinking about. Thinking about myself, thinking about my well-being, focusing on my well-being. But look at verse 28. I love this. This is, man, I love this, this, this verse. Verse 28, apart from such external things. It's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. Those were hard things. But you know what? Ex- they're just external things. Yeah, I have some scars on my back, but external. They haven't even made a dent on my contentment you know, level. Just, I love it. He says, yeah, just external things. Apart from those external things, there is this daily pressure. Okay, you can say there's something internal within me that's even, that's, that's, you know, that's, the, the pressure is, it can't even be compared to the pressure of those external things. There is this daily pressure on me of concern for all of the churches, he said. Physical Concern? No, not really. Look at verse 29. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? That's how you focus on the spiritual well-being of other people. When you have that, you know, just tight focus on how your friends are doing spiritually, you're not going to be, you're not going to be selfish. You're not going to be discontent. You know, I was talking to, you guys remember Pastor John. I'm okay if you don't remember Tim Tebow. I rem- I'm okay if you don't remember John Piper, but you remember Pastor John, right? He came and preached at our summer camp uh, this summer. You know, we were talking, you know, we we're talking about how busy our schedules are. You know, I said, I said, when, when are your days off? You know, because we do get days off as pastors, right? He said, I'm I'm Saturday and Monday. How about you? I'm Friday and Saturday. And and he's like, do you ever do you ever uh, finish your your sermon? You know, on Thursday, so you can have Friday and Saturday off. I said, no. He said, I said, how about you? No, no, that doesn't happen. He's like, days off. What what's a day off? Right. He said, I counsel on fr- on on Saturday. I counsel on Monday. You know, I'm on I'm on the on the phone. You know, counseling. Even I'm not in I'm not in the office. He he was telling me this, and this is what I was thinking the whole time. Man, like, is is John Anderson, Pastor John Anderson, perfect? No, he's not perfect. Does he di- does he get discontent? Oh yeah, he does. You know, because another part of our conversation was about discontentment, but 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 he is fighting discontentment 
he is learning contentment by focusing on other people's spiritual well-being. It's like there's no day off when you're so focused on how other people are doing spiritually. What's a day off? There's no day off on that. Right? I want I want you guys to think that way. Okay? How is my friend doing spiritually? She shared with me uh, Wednesday night about this prayer. Okay. I just need, you know, it's weekend. You know, we're going to Disneyland. So uh, I'll just wait till next Wednesday night D group because that's, that, that's kind of when we talk about those things. No, no. You focus on their well-being by thinking about how they're doing spiritually. That's how you kill discontentment. Number two, a little bit quicker here. Number two, focus on others' physical well-being. Okay, focus on others' phys- physical well-being. This is, you know, another word is share. You know, share with others what you have. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, last one. 1 Timothy chapter 6. So this is Paul writing not to a church, but to a pastor of a church named Timothy. Verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. He tells Timothy, hey, you need to do something for your church. You know, you need to teach them something. Very important lesson. Verse 17, instruct those who are rich, and we are all rich. Okay, if I ask you who's rich here, you need to raise your hand. Because the Bible says if your needs are met, your clothing, food, and and housing, you're rich. Right? Instruct those who are rich, all 64 people in this room right now, in this present world, Not to be, what, conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on who? On God, who richly supplies, you know, he told the Philippians that, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Verse 18, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be what? Generous and ready to share. Again, this is not, oh, man, you know, she shared last Wednesday night, you know, that, that their family needs this. Well, you know, I'll just wait till next Wednesday night. Right? No, you, sh- you share right away. Ah, I, really, I really need this. You know, if I share this with, with this person, then I don't have it. So I'll just wait for, for so-and-so to share his to this person so, so that I don't have to share what I have. No, that's not what Paul's talking about. He said, be generous because we are all rich. We need to be generous with that. We need to be ready to share. We can't be stingy. If you are stingy, okay, if, I'm not saying cheap. You know, there's wisdom in that. But if you are stingy and you're not generous and you're all about mine, mine, not sharing, guess what? You are dis- a discontent person because you're trying to find contentment in what you have. Therefore, you're more focused on thinking about yourself. And you don't have to tell me, the Bible says you're discontent. You are discontent. And Paul here, I believe, is saying, hey, Philippians, hey, NCC students, you know, you, you guys need to focus on the well-being of other people. Spiritually speaking, you need to be thinking about that. You need to be praying for that. You need to be asking your friends how they're doing spiritually. 
and physically. You need to be generous. You need to be sharing all the time because that takes your mind off of yourself onto other people, and the end result, you're content like Paul. You're content. And then at the end of Aptat, you thank you think the Lord. Right? You thank God. There is no way, there is no way I could have done that. It's through Christ who strengthens me. So, I hope that's uh, helpful, guys, and encouraging. It's been really good for, for me, for my own heart. So now that we're not coveting, now that we're all content, right, we're going to start First Peter uh, well, I take that back. Next Sunday is Q&A. Okay, so um, if you have any questions, you can uh, send them to me, email me, text me, put it in the box, tell your leaders, and your leaders will text me. If you want to focus on coveting, jealousy, envy, uh, contentment, discontentment, we can do that. You know, we can kind of kick this around a little more to, to, make, to make sure that we know how to apply it or, or anything that's on your heart. Okay, anything that's on your heart. Who's your favorite Disney print princess? You know, that's my first one five and a half years ago. What, whatever, whatever you guys want to ask. And then after that, you know, uh, Sunday after that, we're going to start First Peter. I'll do an introduction of, of Peter, okay? All right, let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it always convicts us, challenges us and uh, comforts and encourages us because it points us to the right way. It puts us on the right path. We pray, Father, for those who are not Christians in this room. I don't know how many out of the 64, but I pray that you would just make them really experience and feel that this life is full of discontentment because their greatest need is not met which is forgiveness of their sin because they have not put their trust in Christ Jesus and they have not turned away from that. I pray that, that they would know that, um, that, that as they try to achieve that from their own good works and the things that they do, uh, making themselves feel better, I pray that at every, every day they feel that that, that is not satisfying. That satisfaction, full contentment spiritually only comes from, from giving their, their lives to the Lord and following Him. So that's, that's my prayer, that you would save many, even in a series of contentment and covetousness. Uh, bless our day, um, our week, and again, we're thankful to be together today as a ministry. In Jesus' name, amen.